My message this morning is based upon the premise that we have to take from God mysterious reasons for suffering. I want to read to you from Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 to 26. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. May God be pleased to bless the reading and the preaching of this, his most holy and infallible word. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask now for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your Spirit to rest upon every mind in this place in order that their perception of what I say will be heard as you intend. Cleanse my tongue that I will be your transparent instrument to say all that needs to be said, nothing that doesn't need to be said. Help me to be very, very simple very, very clear. And I pray that this will be a life-changing word that all of us here will never be the same again. And that this will be a word that brings great honor and glory to your name. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may recall that Paul has not met the Colossians, therefore they've never met him, and he's writing to them from prison. Let me ask you a question. If you received a letter from a man in prison who had a bad reputation, hated by the world, and he writes you a letter and wants to tell you how to live your life, would you listen to him? Well, the Apostle Paul knows he's got his work cut out for him. First of all, uh, Paul had enough difficulty with some of his own followers that knew him. You know, he had a problem with a group we now call them Judaizers. They were horrible people. Jews who professed faith in Christ, whether they were saved is, is doubtful, but they said they were, and they went wherever Paul had been, and Colossians uh, are one of those groups that, it, that they went to, and they would turn people against Paul. The very converts of Paul turned against Paul because of the Judaizers, so he had enough problems with those who already knew him. Now he's having to address people that don't know him. And you, you should know this, that Paul was self-conscious of being a prisoner. When he wrote to his beloved Timothy, he actually said, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. It would be easy for Timothy to have to say, 
well, I'm out of here. I'm not going to let a man be my mentor who's in prison. Well, now Paul's trying to influence those who don't know him. And uh, this was part of Paul's suffering, knowing that he had to overcome this. But here's the thing you should know. Paul accepted his suffering. You may have forgotten that on the day of his conversion, Jesus told him how he would suffer. He was told immediately that he would suffer. You can read it, Acts chapter 9, verse 16. Well, now, in this word that I just read, Paul could say, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Strange comment. Why? Well, it was a challenge that he himself took on board for him and for them. And his point is it gave them an opportunity to embrace a further stigma, offense, namely to listen to Paul. Well, why should they? Well, Paul is urging them to do so. Well, it was a challenge that he took on his heart and uh, for them, uh, for him, and it gave them to have this opportunity, as I said. I want to talk to you today about suffering. And if you are a Christian, and I suppose that is virtually everybody here, almost everyone here, and this could be relevant to you. Now, there are two levels of suffering. The highest level, if I may put it that way, and primarily refers, Paul refers to this, is suffering for Christ, persecution for the gospel. That's the highest level. When you're there, that's as good as it gets. When you suffer for righteousness sake, not for your errors, but because of the gospel. And that's primarily what Paul means here. However, not only that, there's a second level. And that gets all of us. You may say, I've never really suffered for the gospel. Uh, could I say to you, that will change. <laughs> there are ominous days ahead for Britain. I don't know how long I will live, but I can tell you things are happening so rapidly. There is a demonic spirit abroad that's going to take over this country. And Christians are going to be persecuted like you've never thought. Look what happened in Sri Lanka just a week ago. A couple hundred at least killed because they were hated because they were Christians. And that's coming here. I wish I could preach this sermon in Sri Lanka. But I want all to take this on board. Possibly the most important sermon I've preached at Kensington Temple in all the years that I've been here. But there is, I said, a second level. Uh, that means any kind of suffering. If you're in pain right now, you qualify. If you've lost your job, if you've been betrayed by a friend or jilted, and you're in pain today, perhaps there's emotional, psychological suffering, and people don't want to admit to mental illness. It can be so painful. Perhaps you suffer from not being able to sleep. Well, you see, the Apostle Paul had this sort of suffering as well. 
And you need to know, Paul believed in healing. And remember throughout my message today, Paul believed in healing. He prayed for the sick, saw sick people healed, but he himself wasn't always healed. He talked about a thorn in the flesh. That's a phrase he uses. 2 Corinthians 12. And he said, I've asked God three times to remove it. It wouldn't go away. How do you know that you've got a thorn in the flesh? Well, possibly when you keep praying that something will leave and it doesn't, <laughs> consider that could be your thorn in the flesh. And what's the purpose of it? Yes, in Paul's case, he said, it was so that uh, I would not take myself too seriously or be too highly exalted. Uh, God has a way of humbling us. But it may not be always for the gospel. It's, well, listen to Paul. He, he talks about in 1 Corinthians 4, he says, to the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We're poorly dressed. Do you ever feel odd that you're poorly dressed? Some people don't want to go to church. They say, well, I can't go to church because all these people will be well-dressed. He says, I've been buffeted, homeless. We labor working with our own hands. Humbling job for a person who's also an apostle. When reviled, we bless. Persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. And we become and are still like the scum of the world. How would you feel if you felt in your heart, you're scum? That was Paul. And he says at the beginning of this paragraph, he says, I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death because we become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. And listen to him in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, I've been stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night. Does anybody here have a problem sleeping? Well, how you react to any kind of suffering will determine whether you qualify for the kind of suffering we're going to talk about today. Never forget that Paul believed in healing, but he's now going to talk about a suffering that goes on. And you say, Lord, please relieve me of this. I want us to see three things today. First, predestination and suffering. Is there a connection? Yes. First of all, we have all who are saved been predestined to be saved. What's that mean? Well, chosen from the foundation of the world, not according to works. God just was gracious to you. You may ask throughout eternity, why me? I don't deserve to be here. But all you can do is say, God was just gracious to me. If you question this, 
Read Acts 13, 48, where Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, makes a commentary on the fact that Gentiles who were ordained to eternal life believed. As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. You say, well, R.T., I believe as many as believed were appointed to eternal life. That would be a true statement. But that's not what Paul uh, believed. That's not what Luke stated. As many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And so we're saved by the sheer grace of God. But then you ask, are you also saying we're predestined to suffering? The answer is yes. Paul says it again and again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. He says to them, don't be unmoved by these trials knowing we were destined for them. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 3. He said to the Philippians, 1, 29 and 30. Not only is it given to us to believe on Christ, but to suffer for his sake. James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it pure joy when you face trials, troubles of any kind. You know, when you first read that verse in James, count it joy when you're in trouble or you're having trials, you may say, well, I need a little joy, so I'm just go out and look for a trial. Uh, don't be a fool. It will come soon enough. But the issue here, in fact, the Greek reads, if you fall into the trial, in other words, you didn't ask for it. You didn't go looking for it. You fell into it. It happened. You might like to know that the reason for that petition in the Lord's Prayer, it says, lead us not into temptation. We should always pray that. The word temptation comes from the Greek word that just means testing, testing, a trial. And we should pray. Louise and I pray the Lord's Prayer every day, as I've told you many times. Lead us not into temptation. Don't ask for it, but deliver us from the evil one. But there are times when God says, he looks around the body of Christ and thinks, hmm, I think you can have a trial about now. And your first reaction, if you're, if you're predictable, like most of us, you'll say, no, please, how could this happen to me? I'm talking to somebody today. You're in a real trial and it hurts. And this is a message just for you. Well, predestination and suffering. When you realize that God is at the bottom of it all, it helps endure the pain. Not that God is getting even with you. Not that you are being punished. But he knows you. And he reckons you're up to it. And if you were not up to it, he wouldn't let it happen to you. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Well, that's the first thing, predestination and suffering. Second, the purpose of suffering. We come now to one of the strangest comments Paul ever made. And it is only here. In the whole Bible, it's in the New Testament, it's in Colossians, and it's this verse right now. 
Only time you're ever going to hear it. He says, I rejoice in my sufferings for you and in my flesh. I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. So what is the purpose of suffering? Well, first, it is for the body of Christ. We're all a part of the body of Christ. We're all in this together. So if one suffers, we all suffer. And so you may be the head, you may be the hand. But if the hand hurts, you hurt. So anybody in the church, if they're suffering, it affects you. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. I love this verse. John said, I am your brother and companion in tribulation. So if you can't find anybody who will sympathize with you, read those people in the Bible who've gone through the same thing. You're part of a big family. And so what's the purpose of suffering? First, for the body of Christ. Second, listen to this, filling up what is lacking. Now, I've only had one person in my lifetime to address this subject. You've heard me speak of Joseph Tsun. He's the man who years ago came at a critical time. I, I, I die a thousand deaths in my mind when I think of what if I'd never had Joseph Tsun come to me. In our darkest hour, and you've heard me tell it, some of you, RT, you must totally forgive them. For until you totally forgive them, you will be in chains. It's that Joseph Tsung. I invited him to preach at Westminster Chapel. And it happened. He was planning to preach a sermon on mysterious reasons for suffering. I have used his title for this one. He had planned to preach that sermon. But the night before, and these were the days when there was the Iron Curtain. He comes from Romania. And he got news that in his own church in Romania, closest friends and family were persecuted and suffering beyond measure. And it was, it was fresh on his mind. And we were all so moved by him preaching on that. And he talked about mysterious reasons for suffering, referring to this verse, only time I've heard anybody refer to it, but also he made up this uh, in his mind that angels are watching. And he pointed out how God looked over creation and, and uh, said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Now, I don't know how familiar you are with the book of Job. You all have a Bible reading plan. I know that. Uh, once a year, at least, you read through the book of Job. And we know Job went through horrible suffering. Don't ever forget that God started it. God says to the devil, have you considered my servant Job? And the devil says, well, look how he is blessed. You've given him everything. He's wealthy. He's got everything. I bet you, if you took that from him, he would curse you to your face. And so... Job became an exhibit for the angels. 
to watch. They wanted to see if there were such a person who could have everything and lose it all and not curse God. Have you ever thought that when you're going through a trial, you didn't know that in the heavens, God looked over his creation and said uh, to the devil, have you considered my servant Simon? Have you considered my servant Scott? You just came in just in time for me to use you in illustration. That shows you're at the right place at the right time. Don't leave anymore. This is no joke. If you're going through a trial, remember, God had already orchestrated it. Why? Because he says you're up to it. And this is why James could say, count it pure joy. God knows you can do it. You say, no, RT, I'm so weak, I can't endure it. You can. You certainly can. The angels are watching. You see, if you are like most, the odds are trouble comes to your way and you say, no, I can't do this. I can't have it. Why me? Here's what happens. And Paul makes an astonishing point. So much suffering has been allocated to the body of Christ. A quota a certain quantity. Such suffering is called Christ's afflictions, pain in his body. And God is looking for people who will suffer and not complain. And I can announce that there is space available because so many have complained and they lost their slot and God is looking for others. When you consider the trouble in the world today, I'm told 200 million Christians suffering right now as we speak. Not to mention earthquakes in the Philippines in recent days. There are floods, famine. As I said, Sri Lanka. And we're, it's all a part of the body. We're part of this body. And Paul could claim that this is precisely the explanation for his own suffering. He says, I'm doing it in my flesh. I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. And he's taken this suffering, therefore, with both hands, with both hands. And it must be said that this suffering is not punishment. It's God's preparation in fact, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, that you might be partakers of his holiness. Is there anybody here who loves, by nature, holiness? I can tell you, we're all congenitally opposed to holiness. There's nothing about holiness that we're going to like at the natural level. And so God puts us through chastening to drive us to our knees so that we say, yes, Lord. For example, God said to Jonah, go. Jonah said, no. God said, really? And he sent the wind, he sent the fish, 
And the next three days, uh, Jonah was praying to get to do what he didn't want to do. He's now, Lord, give me another chance. And God has a way that we might be partakers of his holiness. All right. Predestination and suffering. The purpose of suffering, but now, and you could see it coming, the privilege of suffering. What a privilege. As we saw, so much suffering has been allocated to the body of Christ. Let me put it to you this way by way of illustration. So if, let's say, so much money has been allocated to you, would you not welcome it? But what if it's given to someone else because you don't claim it? Well, I want you to know that suffering is money in the bank for you. And God has determined that so much suffering is allocated to the body of Christ. But there are those who reject that opportunity. And you know, some get more than others. And over the years, I've seen people suffer. There was one woman who was a member of Westminster Chapel. Actually, she was, I haven't asked permission to say this, but she was a convert of Louise. Louise went to her door, knocking on doors. In those days, we did. And and, uh, Yvette Cutter came to the Lord. And I followed her life. I've said to Louise, in my lifetime, I've never known anybody to suffer as much as Yvette Cutter. It's awful. Not just with the family and everything. One day, our verger at Westminster Chapel, Fred Jinks, came up to me and he said, I've just got back from Gordon Hospital Saw Yvette. I said, how's she doing? Well, he said, when I went there, I felt so sorry for her. I said, how are you, Yvette? And she said, I'm just praising the Lord because Dr. Kendall taught us that when we suffer, we should just praise the Lord. And I'm just sitting here praising the Lord. She had a mental illness They used to call it manic depressive. They now call it bipolar. I felt so sorry for her. And I've often thought this, and I I believe it's going to be like this. You know how Paul, the apostle, referred to himself as the apostles would be last in the queue? Here's partly what he means. Picture this. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day. You and I will be there. Oh, what a day. What a day. And we're all told, wait until your name is called. And then you go and stand before the Lord. You think to yourself, I wonder who's going to be first in the queue. Oh, probably the Apostle Paul or St. Augustine, Martin Luther, Jonathan Edwards. Oh, I know who will be first in the queue. Billy Graham or maybe Charles Spurgeon. Look here, high profile below means low profile up there. 
low profile below when you are a nobody and can take suffering with grace and dignity, high profile there. So they wait quietly. And the name comes Event Cutter. People look at each other. Who's that? Yvette Cutter. Do you, do you know an Yvette Cutter? Anybody know Yvette Cutter? And she, this little lady comes over. Well, uh, that's my name. Oh, he's calling you. Go. Go all the way. Me? Yeah, he's calling you. And here's this lady standing before Jesus. And he looks at her and says, Yvette, I saw you in Gordon Hospital how you wept and you just kept praising the Lord. You didn't think anybody noticed. We saw you, Yvette. Welcome home. Well done. That's the way it's going to be. And you may have no profile, but it will all change one day when the nobodies of this world are given the attention of the sovereign God of the universe. And that day is coming, the privilege of suffering. And so, to whom much is given shall much be required. And it could be there's a work for you to do. And maybe your day has not come. Look, Joseph, son of Jacob, who was betrayed by his brothers, and then has an opportunity to have an affair with Potiphar's wife, and he moves to Egypt. He could not have known that he had been earmarked to be prime minister of Egypt. But the day came, and it's possible. That there are people here, you have no idea what's earmarked for you down the road. And the suffering, you say, well, it's not really suffering for Jesus. Look, Whatever suffering, sleepless nights, losing your job, physical pain, it's a test. Here's why. Jesus said, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And the test, if you're faithful in a few things, then God will give you grace for the big one. When you are persecuted for righteousness sake. So, Paul, therefore, is not complaining. Quite the opposite. Here's a verse for you, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's Acts chapter 5, verse 41. It's when Peter and John are before the council called the Sanhedrin, made up mostly of Sadducees, a few Pharisees, and they were the judgment council like the Supreme Court of Israel. Well, six weeks before, both Peter and John ran from Jesus when he was arrested. Matthew 26, 56, all of his disciples forsake him and fled. You know, Peter, he thought, you put Peter under a lie detector, he thought that he loved Jesus more than the other 11. He thought that. Uh, you've seen people like that. Maybe you're like that. You think you're more spiritual than the person next to you? Well, that was Peter. He, he wants to outdo all the others. He said, Lord, don't wash just my hands, but my whole head. 
Jesus said, I think you're going to deny me. Oh, <laughs> not a chance. I'd give my life for you. Really? The truth is, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. Peter says, not a chance. Lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. And when Peter denied the Lord the third time, the rooster crowed and Jesus heard it, Peter heard it, and they looked at each other. Oh, that moment. When I get to heaven, I want to see a video replay. <laughs> We're told Peter went out and wept bitterly. He was so sorry. He was so sorry. I can't believe I did this. And who's here today? You've let the Lord down. You know you have. You've done it, and you are so sorry. Well, I can tell you now, Peter was looking for a chance, a chance to show that he was sorry and he would be different. He got the chance. He's now being persecuted. He's brought before the Supreme Court of Israel. They beat him, black and blue, both Peter and John, they get it, and then said, don't teach anymore in this name. And let him go. You know what was going on inside the council? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, well, we taught them a lesson. We won't worry about them anymore. What they couldn't have known, that Peter and John couldn't believe their luck that they got to suffer. They passed the test this time. In fact, read it. Acts 5.41, when they departed from the council, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for the shame of his name. What a privilege. Have you let the Lord down and you say, Lord, give me another chance. You see, suffering is allocated. We all run from it. But those who will take the slot and say, Lord, thank you that you've chosen me. Well, you ought to know for your comfort, when we are persecuted, Jesus feels it. In fact, he said to Saul of Tarsus, why do you persecute me? Well, Saul says, I was persecuting Christians. Oh, Jesus said, you persecuted me. Never forget this. If you hurt, it hurts Jesus. When they hurt you, they hurt him. If the world hates you, says Jesus, know that they hated me first. And then Paul gives himself the title minister. He's not just an apostle. He's, he's minister. Uh, and that just means one who serves, not a prestigious word. You know, the minister sounds prestigious. He doesn't say the minister. He said, I'm a minister. He was given a stewardship from God. That means he had been entrusted with truth. And uh, Paul talks about such truth being a mystery, hidden for ages, but at long last revealed to his holy ones. And he said, part of the package is that I've been chosen to suffer, not running from it, welcoming it. So such suffering is preparation, not punishment. And here's why God is allowing it. You're listening? 
He's not finished with you yet. It's part of what you need at this moment. My mother, who died at the age of 43, when she was a little girl in her teens, she was a part of a group that would sit at the feet of a 90-year-old saint of God, a woman who would just talk to the young people, and they would hang on to every word. And there's one thing that this old lady kept saying. I've served the Lord for so long now that I can hardly tell the difference between a blessing and a trial. It becomes a part of a lifestyle. If God has chosen you to suffer, don't reject it. Be flattered. You're honored. Say thank you. The greater the suffering, the greater the responsibility. To whom much is given shall much be required. So are you suffering? Take it with both hands. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord hath done.